Banger. Banger. We're going to start every single show off with that. Banger. Let's get some banger emotes in the chat. Assuming we actually have some channel members in there. I suppose maybe we don't yet. We just got started. It says we have two people watching. One of those might be me. Come on. Yeah, it probably is. There we go. There we go. Cooper's Cooper's making it happen. Two-bit podcast. Wow, on time. Yeah, apparently the uh, the key to making sure that we start on time is for Cooper and I to not actually sit down to figure out what we're going to talk about or anything until like 20 minutes ahead of time. Because that's what we did today. I've been out working all day, and we talked on the phone for a little while this morning and said, hey, are we going to do a show tonight? We said, yeah, we definitely should. And then didn't talk to each other all afternoon. And I came hustling back home from work and hopped in here, and we came up with something to talk about. I think it's actually going to be a pretty good one, too. What's up, 2-Bit Podcast? We do have a channel member in the house. Um, do us a favor, those of you who are in here right now, and let us know how our audio sounds. We were kind of playing around with some audio settings. So Testing, Cooper. testing, testing. Hello, hello. How are we? How am I doing? How are you doing? We doing well? Well, Emmanuel says audio's okay. Thanks for dropping in, man. Appreciate you. Uh, two bit, you look fresh. Did you sleep in VC again? Um, no, uh, I didn't have any VCs. That's why I actually slept. And I actually don't feel particularly fresh. I feel kind of frazzled. Like I've been running around a lot today, but uh, I'm glad I look better. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. He says, sounds okay. Cooper is louder, but he barely speaks. So I told you this was going to happen. <laughs> Turn it down a little bit there. Better there. Hopefully that's better. Um, we won't bog down the entire stream and talking about, uh, about our audio levels. So, uh, let's see our title today. I don't even remember what it was. Uh, gender inequality in a post feminist world. I, so I did a, a tweet yesterday i actually worked on it over the over the course of a couple of days when i had a time to sit there and write um which sounds kind of funny to say it took me a couple of days to write a tweet but in this particular case i decided i wanted to test out i'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what the the twitter algorithm is optimized for right now and i've heard that they're they want more long-form posts on the on the platform they're kind of trying to maybe move back in the direction of blogging and microblogging, both being on the platform at the same time. Um, and it makes sense too. Like YouTube is optimizing for how long, and Facebook does this as well. They optimize for how long you stay on the video. And if your video, if people stay on the video longer, then they'll, it'll do well with the algorithm because they want people to stay on their platform longer. So it stands to reason to me that the algorithm would favor longer tweets because you want people to stay on there and, and read the longer tweets. Of course, the flip side of this is there are people who don't want to read long tweets. They just scroll right on past them. They're not even interested in them. So I'm interested to see what, what, how, how Twitter reacts to this. So I've done lots of little short tweets. I've done um, intermediate length tweets. And this time I decided to do basically an entire blog post in one tweet to see what would happen. And my conclusion on that front so far is I think that the medium length stuff is optimal. I get the sense that those are the ones that, uh, that they, that, that it seems to favor those get the most traction. Um, definitely more than the short stuff. 
So the short stuff and the super long stuff seems like it doesn't work, but the medium term stuff does. Uh, so, I, uh, I did this tweet here. I guess we'll just launch right into it. Um, King pill. There we go. So this tweet here. So I'll go to the original thing that I'm quote tweeting. This got quite a bit of traction a couple days ago. A lot of people were talking about it on the, uh, on the old timeline. So this chick, Ask Aubrey, who is... Uh, she takes submissions, DMs are subject to the public, and she kind of curator of nice guys, WTFs, and trash takes. So she's basically just kind of like a viral content account. That, that'll be relevant um, shortly. So she says, she shows, play, uh, posts these screenshots of a text conversation. Presumably this is with a, uh, uh, a guy and a girl who have just started dating. And she said, the problem with a lot of dudes who want a trad wife is that they refuse to be a traditional husband. Which, I was like, eh, that's an interesting point. Um, so this is the back and forth. Uh, for those of you who can't see the screen, who don't want to go look up this tweet, I'll just read it. So um, the woman, it's from the perspective of the woman. And she says, I guess I'm just wondering what your expectations are from a partner. And he says, like in terms of expectations from women. And she said, or men, I don't know how you swing. And he said, women, not men. And she says, LOL, okay, then yeah, what are your expectations for your girlfriend slash wife slash whatever? And he said, can I be honest about it? It might be seen as outdated or something, ha ha. She says, yeah, of course, this, this is a judgment-free zone. I want you to pay attention to the tone as this is being written, just pay attention. This already, sounds, this already sounds fake, yeah. Yeah. He says, honestly, I'm looking for a traditionally feminine woman. Someone who isn't going to mind being the child rearer and homemaker. Someone who is going to take care of her appearance and herself and just all around is content to be a female in our relationship. I know that's pretty anti-feminist or whatever, but it's just how I feel, LOL. And she says, oh, slay. I don't think that's anti-feminist or outdated yeah. at all. To be Do honest, the kids actually talk like this? <laughs> I think this is supposed to be someone who's like in their 30s. <laughs> who's trying to sound like a, a Zoomer? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. You could just tell the whole, you could tell it's written by a woman. She says, that's pretty similar to what I want too. Kind of my dream, if I'm being honest. And he says, really? With multiple question marks and a bunch of, of, of eyes emojis. And she says, yeah, I'd love to be able to focus on making my house a home, working on myself and just be taken care of without having to stress about expenses or money. And he says, what do you mean? And she says, just that I'd love a traditional man who's going to cover my expenses and make sure I'm getting what I want. Someone who brings that kind of masculine energy. And he says, so you're looking for a guy who isn't going to mind buying you whatever you want and basically will just bankroll your whole life? And she says, I don't know if I'd put it like that. And he said, so you're a gold digger slash user, basically? And she says, more like someone who will take care of our family financially so I can take care of him and his kids. And in response to his question, she says, no, LMAO, I promise. How is that any different from you wanting your girlfriend slash wife to take care of the home and your kids? This feels kind of like a double standard for you to call me a gold digger. Uh, he says, it's not a double standard. It's different because the things I'm looking for, emotionally stable, takes care of herself, good with kids, are inherently female traits. Good women naturally have that stuff. You're looking for some rich guy who can buy you stuff. That's not naturally part of being a guy. It's totally different. I mean, I mean, especially because of how expensive life is in general these days. You think I'm going to be able to afford a $500,000 house on one salary just so you can play dress up and not have to worry about a job? You expect to not contribute to the bills or the cost of living? Fuck you. I knew there was something wrong with you. No wonder you tried to humiliate me at the restaurant. I should have left right then and there. 
She says, my guy, chill out. I never said I was looking for a rich guy or a $500,000 house or anything like that. Just that I want a guy who can take care of me, especially if I'm raising his kids. How can your dream woman be the homemaker, homemaker and child rearer if she's also working full time to pay the bills? I have absolutely no issue with gender roles or divisions of labor in a relationship, but you're not looking for a traditional woman. You're looking for a maid and nanny who can also help pay your bills. And in all caps, he says, fuck you. Just say you were only interested in me for my money. Next time you match with some sucker, tell him that up front so he doesn't waste his time with you. And she says, I paid for last night, my dude. What do you mean interested in you for your money? And he says, shut the fuck up. My comp side agree is going to do way more for me than your business one ever will. Bitch. Now I know why you're getting a finance degree. Probably so you can scout out the rich guys and try and steal their money. Bitch. (laughs) And she says... If you're going to curse me out and call me a gold digger because I want a traditional man, even though you want a traditional woman, something tells me you're not the type of guy I'm looking for. Lose my number, but I hope you have a good life. And then it has today at 1.22 a.m., he says, hey, you up right now? And so, of course, then everyone is all talking about, oh, they, they lost it at, at um, hey, you up. So read through this whole thing, and honestly, the first time coming through it with no context at all, I actually, I actually saw it as a believable conversation, but as I went further and further into it, I was like, this just seems, there's something off with him saying at the beginning, uh, you know, I'm looking for traditionally feminine woman and saying all this stuff and then completely flipping and getting really petulant and in the way that he cussed her out. It seems exactly like the way that a woman would imagine a man getting mad and cussing her out. The two things just didn't just didn't go together there. And then the fact that he has like he has perfect grammar, perfect sentence structure, uses periods all the time and everything. Those three things just don't fit in my mind. A guy who's going to get really hostile and pissy and also is going to like type really well and is going to value a traditional type of woman. It's just this 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 man doesn't exist. Bitch. Um, bitch <laughs> yeah that was that was what really did it for me there that he's just like shut the fuck up my comp side degree is going to do way more for me than your business one ever will can you imagine a guy actually saying that like i i can't even this this reads to me like a woman doing an impression of a guy being all pissy like this is how they imagine that that guys would talk <laughs> bitch <laughs> that was the best part <laughs> bitch um, so, so I, uh, it, it spawned a lot of interesting conversation. A lot of people were talking about, uh, had their different takes on it and, and you know, it was all great. Um, but, uh, so there was a whole bunch of interesting, interesting thoughts that, that it, it sparked in my head. Um, cause it's, it's interesting on multiple different levels here. So I'll just read the, the, the tweet that I have. So, so a couple, a couple scattered thoughts here. One, after thinking about this for a few minutes, I'm confident it's clearly fake. Go back and reread it, imagining the text from the man being written by a woman imagining herself as a man, and it should be obvious that's what it is. I don't mean the message of the text, I mean the tone. This isn't to say the scenario itself is fake, quite the opposite, in fact. The scenario is extremely believable. What's fascinating to me is this phenomenon of something being factually false but spiritually true. So, like, the story itself is probably factually false, but some variant of it has happened, and even if the story technically is factually false, it's spiritually true in a certain way that could be useful for having a certain conversation. Um, in that sense, it's sort of like a parable or a fable, kind of. Um, 
but the delivery mechanism is interesting. It's for this Twitter account that just kind of traffics and viral content and passed it off as her own, but it's obviously a stitched together screenshot that's been put together through one of these uh, programs where you can fake iPhone screenshots, which have gotten pretty good. I remember when those first came out, they were terrible. They were just like, it was so obvious when something was fake and when, when it wasn't. But now you can have it look, it can be completely believable and real. Um, so like that, that phenomenon itself, being able to tell this sort of modern day parable and deliver it through this vehicle is, is, is interesting. Um, the ability to use technology to construct something like that to teach a lesson, drive a conversation, etc. Whether the event itself actually happened or not is irrelevant. Whomever made this little piece of art is doing the same thing as the author of a book or creator of a movie, telling a very believable story to illustrate a larger point and make it stick. For better or worse, this technique is much more effective than had she simply tweeted, the, the problem with a lot of dudes who want a trad wife is that they refuse to be a traditional husband. Like, that would have been a decent tweet on its own, would have probably, could have probably gone viral, but attaching this scenario to it and getting people to talk about that, and make, it just makes it stick in your head better. Um, our minds are personal. Personal situations are much more compelling to us than abstractions. So that's the, uh, uh, that's the first thought I had. Uh, second point, and this is when we kind of get into the meat of it. What's up, Slowboy Whiteboard? Uh, why do you always got to go live the exact same time as Kotel? Uh, apparently, we're just the people that go live at the exact same time as everyone else. We did this to, to 2-Bit the other week, and... Uh, sorry, I don't know what to say. Go watch Kotel, and then come back and watch us later. <clears throat> uh, okay, so... Um, well, before I go on with this, Cooper, did you... Bitch. Uh, what's... <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> yeah, come back and watch us later, bitch. <laughs> um, what do you what, do? You have any uh, any reaction or or anything beyond, about that beyond what I told you about it? The uh, the the tweet. The tweet with the screenshots. Yeah. Mm. What's it like dating as a zoomer? I don't know. I kind of got lucky. The wrong person to ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got, uh, let's see. I, uh, I got married right, right as Tinder was just starting to take off. So I kind of dodged that bullet. I was very lucky. And my wife well, is a couple of... years older than me. So, you know, let's. So you, you never really had to, what's the joke people talked about that uh, um, Gen X looks back at, looks at the millennials and, and Zoomers and the, the current state of the, the dating market and they feel like the, the guys who caught the last chopper out of Vietnam. It's kind of a, it's kind of a shit yeah, I show guess, out there now. Yeah, I guess it is kind of like that. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I, I, maybe it is, maybe things have gotten way worse. I don't know. I'm sure technology has made things suck more, as it's wont to do. Mm -hmm. um, I also think it's probably over-exaggerated, insofar as a lot of it is just, like, guys being pussies and not wanting to go talk to chicks. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's probably a, a contributing factor. Like, mm -hmm. 
in the same way that social media and everything is just kind of like creating these parasocial communities as we further hunker down into the pod. It's just a, it's just another a variable that's playing into that pattern. So it's like the solution to the pod is like get outside, go do something, be productive. It's the same solution to like the the dating thing. It's like get outside, go do something, be productive, go talk to somebody. Mm. Get out and meet space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, I'm stuck in this pod and everything sucks. I'm like, yeah, it sucks in the pod. So I'm like, yeah, that's why, that's why you don't want to get dependent upon it. And the only way they, to they like, do the dating way. thing is to like try to like, like pod speak to other pods. So like all the pods are talking to each other over this like network web thing called the internet. And we're doing that from our respective pods. I'm pod living in my tiny pod. I'm podcasting. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm podcast. Oh boy, here we are. <laughs> I'm podcasting my net to catch all the fish and bring them in, but they're not coming. <laughs> your inner, your inner uh, uh, slam poet is coming out. I know, I know. I was reading about Herman Melville earlier, so I've been thinking about nautical themes. Oh yeah. Cable says it's definitely guys being pussies and or saying there's no quality women anymore, but their only fucking context for talking to women is dating apps and bars. Fucking idiots. Here, here. And not even that. It's not even bars. It's just dating apps and porn. And of course, you think all women suck if that's your world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're if the the, the frame for you is uh, is watching watching porn. Number one, you're adapted to very bad acting, and number two, you're gonna have really. Uh, uh, unrealistic, ex- unrealistic expectations when you actually talk to a woman. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, more to the point of the tweet itself. Anyway, the gold digger instinct is not. <laughs> By the way, Cable said that that's how he's going to answer the phone when we call him from now on. Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, More to the point of the tweet itself. The gold digger instinct is not bad in itself. It's a natural, wholesome instinct that's been distorted by technologically mediated sin. Women do and should want to be fully materially, that is to say financially, domestically, politically, etc., dependent upon a man. That's what they were created for, and that's when they will thrive the most. Men are creators. Women are nurturers. Men want to build solutions that destroy obstacles. Women want walls that block out unpleasant possibilities. When my, uh, when my wife and I first met, she told me one of the most important things that I could ever know about her is that when she's upset, she... Uh, <laughs> random username says, porn has me scared of washing machines. <laughs> That's a horrible thing to call a woman. <laughs> Just lobbed you that softball right there. Mm-hmm. Uh. Matt, Matt, the other day my dishwasher broke and now there's dirt all over the house and like all my, all my appliances broke. The laundry's piling up. What, what does that mean? What do I do? Did you just try slapping her a couple times? Yeah, I, I did. I did. You yeah. see, she broke. She got in this horrible accident. And now her hands are. She doesn't have any hands. Oh so, yeah. I tried like mopping the floor by just like picking her upside down, dipping her head in a bucket of bleach water. 
And then she just started throwing up everywhere. <laughs> yeah, screaming and throwing up, and her hair was so it started mess. falling out. Yeah, yeah, the hair, it's big mess. This thing, like, is there a warranty? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can probably just throw it out the way technology is these days. Just get a new one, and yeah. probably be going through this again in another couple of years. I think Amazon or whatever. Right, just order one. Yeah, have it. Yeah, overnighted. Yeah, like I think they like they call them like mail order or something like that. You mm. Just get one sent to you. What's up, John Lloyd? He said, "Thanks for being so generous with your time on Thursday." Yeah, What's man. that furniture website? Uh, Wayfair, the one that was like trafficking kids or something. Oh, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, never mind. <laughs> well, that took a turn. Uh oh. <laughs> Yeah, jokes I, I over. The degenerate was involved in that one, so it was a uh, it was no bueno. Mm. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, men are men are creators, women are nurturers. So the men are the, the 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 masculine psychology is to be the one that's out foraging through the wilderness, uh, carving out an existence, overcoming obstacles. Men are <laughs> men are like psychologically wired to do this, and when they aren't doing it. If you get a man who's not productive, he's not accomplishing, he's not increasing, improving what he has, he doesn't have a, a trajectory, if he's just kind of drifting, then his body will literally start falling apart. He'll start developing weird autoimmune diseases, he'll, um, he'll get depression, he'll, you know, he'll get diagnosed with any number of different illnesses, and really the fundamental illness that he has is meaninglessness. He hasn't set his mind to anything of meaning. But when a man sets his mind to something of meaning and begins working productively toward that end, then he's going to be in his moment uh, taking risks, solving problems, overcoming obstacles, tearing through barriers. This is the sort of thing that, get, that gets a guy going. On the flip side, a lot, of those are the th a lot of those things are the things that freak women out. Women don't want to, don't want to be doing the like risk-taking and out on the frontier and it takes a, a particular type of woman to even, to even embrace that. And then the ones that do would rather be there um, with a man who's handling the man shit and be the one who's responsible for taking care of her children, for nesting. And, and the men will build the wall, and then the women will secure the wall and ensure that they'll look for chinks in the wall and ensure there's no... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chink, like chinks in the armor, chinks... Anyways, um... And uh, ensure that there's... <laughs> Get them out of here. Points. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Their eyes just freak me out. <laughs> what is uh, um, my favorite line from Gran Torino? Is like, it's when he runs out of beer and the kids uh -huh. next door are having their, like, family reunion or whatever. And he's uh -huh. like, well, hey, we got beer. And that's his way of coaxing Clint Eastwood over there. Uh -huh. And he walks in, and all these like Vietnamese people are staring at him. <laughs> and he just looks around. And he goes, "Fucking fish heads." And that's my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, th that it has so many lines. That movie is fantastic. That's Clint is who we named our son after. We just uh, we just kind of had a soft spot for him. Um, I guess let's do the side quest real quick. So have you ever heard the story of uh, Clint Eastwood as a, um, when he was in the military 
in the 50s and he was in a plane crash. You ever hear that about that? Mm, no. So he was apparently, this is in, I don't know, 50s sometime. He was like in his early 20s. And he was staying, I think, I want to say he was staying in the Seattle area some, somewhere. And it was the holidays and he needed to fly down to, uh, to home down in Central California. And he, there was a guy flying down in like a little like one-seater airplane. Or it was, it was like a two-seater. It had one seater for the pilot and then it had a little seat in the back. Like the back like cargo hold kind of. So he was sitting in that seat, and then they hit a storm or something like that, and comms went out, and then, like, the door came off the back of it, and they wound up going down in... I don't remember if they went down with the plane or if they if they ejected from it or jumped from it or something, but they went down in the, uh, the bay, uh, the, like, the San Francisco Bay, uh, and this was in, like, December... And they were out in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night. And there's a lot of, there's tons of sharks and stuff out there. And uh, so he wound up swimming ashore from there. And this is like, like a little known story people didn't know about, about uh, Clint Eastwood. There was a really good podcast. Um, I don't remember, can't remember which one it was, but there was a really interesting podcast done about that situation. So um, uh, <clears throat> Amy had heard that podcast and shared it with me. And it was, that was basically when Eastwood became a, uh, uh, a name for us, an option for us that we ended up naming our son. You know, earlier, that reminds me, like, because earlier today I was feeling rather morose, lamenting the fact that there's no real... Okay, maybe there is, but at least... It seems like, okay, you know, everything's been... The world's been sort of gentrified, and... Or at least the West. Like, there's no... There's nothing to go explore anymore. There's no, like, adventures to be had. And... Because I was reading uh, the life of uh, Her Herman Melville, the fella who wrote Moby Dick. And it's like, let's see, he was looking for work, and then he was, like, on a ship going and, like, fishing for whales. And then he's down in, like, the like Indonesia or somewhere, somewhere that sucks. And <laughs> he jumps off the boat. Lands ashore this island. He and a buddy, like they just like, you know what, this sucks. We're gonna we're gonna go to this island. So they jump and then they're like there's this island that's inhabited by a bunch of like cannibal savages. And they have to try to survive that. And then they get picked up by a different boat. And then while they're on that boat, they take part in like a mutiny on that boat <laughs> that rescued them. <laughs> and then they get like thrown in jail. And then they, like, escape from jail, and then they go back to hunting more whales. It's like, whoa, what a crazy life. And this all happened in, like, five years. Uh, in, like, you know, his 20s or whatever. Like, man, I wish I could have something like that. That'd be fun. <laughs> we were have just some talking stories. about this the other day about uh, um, Alexander the Great. Oh, yeah. When yeah, did he dude, die? Like, he was, like, 30 or something? 32, yeah. Yeah, he... I mean... By the time he was your age, he had, he'd like conquered like half the known world. He started like in his teens. How do you like, I can't even fathom that now. Being like a, like a, like a, a crown prince or a warlord in your late teens or early twenties. Like just how far has the human race fallen? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. 
imagine taking a, a a dude in his like late teens or early twenties now and making him a warlord, making him like a like a the, the crown prince of a of a of an entire army. It would just yeah. be and comparing that like or like Baldwin, you know, King Baldwin of Jerusalem, the leper. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who like died when he was like twenty four and he had yeah, like Yeah, he was really young. He was really young, but he like okay, he kept shit together, he like outperformed Saladin, who's like this renowned general, like and then we've got like millennials, thirty year old guys <laughs> who are competing with high schoolers for jobs. You know? <laughs> yeah, he died at twenty four. That's insane. That's younger than me. That's crazy. And he, so, so he was he was like rotting to death because he had, he had leprosy. He was like rotting to death for the majority of his life, like his entire adult life. That's just, yeah. Don't make them like they used to. Um. So yeah, like that that example you're giving there of the all the the adventure and um, exploits, everything like. I bet that guys back then weren't suffering from depression. I'm sure they didn't have like anxiety. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> they had they had other stuff to worry about. They didn't have time for depression and anxiety. Um, so men men are this fundamental uh, uh, creative force. If you think about like uh, creativity involves um, establishing borders around things and moving borders around things. This is all part of like like creative thinking and to create and generate something is in a sense to put new borders around an existing thing so this is this is like a fundamental part of the male psyche whereas women want to primarily are their 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 strengths are working with existing things they're working with their their home they're putting together their home and they're trying to protect the thing that's here so the men are trying to get the new thing you know, they're going to go out hunting. They're going to go out on a, on like exploring. They're going to go out inventing or producing or creating or doing business mergers or like all this sort of stuff is all creative. It's all generative. And then the, the women are the ones who are maintaining the order at home. So the men are going out They're They're, they're fighting the barbarians. They're pushing the barbarians further out. They're building walls to encase and protect the women. And then the women are protecting and preserving and nurturing what's inside the walls. You have to have this 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 partnership is when men and women are at their best. Because you think about this, so I said men want to build solutions that destroy obstacles, which is another way of saying men want to tear walls down. Men are like, I don't know how many different like projects I've gotten started on. And I'm like, all right, here, we're, the, the, the project is going to go out to here. Like these are going to be the constraints on it. And then you get going and it's really easy to start moving those walls. Actually, let's do this. Let's, let's bring this part in. Let's add this part. Let's get over, let's go over here and do this. It, this is the, the, like going and exploring the frontier, settling the wild West. This is all a matter of constantly moving the walls, moving the walls, moving the walls. But the women want the wall. The woman doesn't want additional risk. She wants to be protected from that risk so that she can take care of her children and maintain her home. The man's responsibility is to shoulder the risk and ensure that the walls are stable and secure so that the, the risk can't get in. This is part of like the trade-off between a man and a woman. The woman says, yeah, I'm fine with you going out and, and you know ransacking and doing whatever you need to do. 
as long as you've built strong walls around our home so we're we're safe when you're not here and the for on the man's side of things he knows if he leaves home that there's someone there to, to you know keep shit from falling apart so there's the symbiosis between them the problem is when men build shitty walls this is back to the tweet when men build shitty walls women let them know both on the micro ind individual level and on the macro social level woman is the debugger for man's creative code she's a mirror for him to see what he is and sometimes that mirror is black <clears throat> we were uh cooper and i were going through we were talking a lot through this like masculine feminine dynamic of several months ago and i don't remember what got us started on it but once we realized how fundal the fun fundal how fundamental the masculine and feminine archetypes are we we kind of just started applying them in all kinds of different situations and realizing we'd stumbled upon a really useful heuristic for understanding the world and it works on the micro individual personal level like you know i'm i'm disagreeing with my wife about something or my girlfriend did such and such or or on like understanding the relationship of two political parties to each other and which party is occupying the feminine role and which party is occupying the masculine role and the way these feed into each other. Bitch. So, <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> I feel very bad for all the clergy who are going to watch this. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> you have to understand the kids have jokes. <laughs> So the there's this this term there's this term called a shit test. And if you've been exposed to like the pickup artist red pill community or adjacent communities you you've been exposed to this idea of a shit test. And there I'm going to get into this a little bit here because there's very few women that actually listen to this so it's not like we're actually giving away the secrets. Um, not violating, what do they call it, bro code or whatever. For um, like the three women that are in here. Yeah, stop so listening. Pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> We're giving you like... Messages. <laughs> yeah. We're giving you What do you I do? Like, do I listen? Do I stop? <laughs> We're just spoon feeding you a bunch of arcane esoteric knowledge right now. Uh-huh. That you can use to your advantage. Right. Okay, so this is what Urban Dictionary says about shit test. <laughs> it says a shit test is a manufactured grievance a woman uses to test the metal competence and confidence of her mate. It is an intentional provocation accompanied by an implicit and subconscious desire that the man put his foot down, set reasonable boundaries, and demonstrate that he will not be bullied, nagged, shamed, or guilted into submission. Its purpose is to confirm for her that he is capable of doing what needs to be done to provide for her and protect her and her children. The subconscious, note it's subconscious, the subconscious thought process is, if he can't stand up to me, how will he be able to deal with the cavemen down the valley who keeps us up all night revving their motorcycles, let alone help bring down a mastodon or fend off the saber-toothed tigers? The worst thing a man can do when his woman is shit-testing him is assume the grievance is genuine and cave into her. Despite her seeming demand that he submit, if he does, she will lose respect for him. And once she loses respect for him, she will believe that she's with a man who is not worthy of her, which in turn makes her angry and resentful of him. She will then escalate the test, each grievance becoming more and more outrageous and irrational in a desperate bid for him to finally draw a line and say this far, no further. That's actually, 
You can't always depend upon Urban Dictionary to, to come through, but in this particular case, Urban Dictionary came nailed it really well. Totally nailed it. Yeah, that is that is the perfect summation of what a shit test is. If you haven't heard of this before and you're a man, you're probably like you're you're probably having light bulbs going off in your head right now. At least this is this is how it was for me. Like every single go back over like every interaction that you've ever had that's been disagreement or whatever with a woman. And you'll probably be able to pick out that it was a shit test. Now, this is something that is the way it's generally talked about. It's presented as something that's like a, a, a deficiency in women or something like that. It's sort of like that. Like, this is what makes women annoying is that they shit test you. Like, if it wasn't for women shit testing you, they'd be great, you know. <laughs> but that's that's wrongheaded. It's not that women are. Um, it's not that, like women in their fallen state are shit testers. Women are designed to be shit testers. This is their explicit purpose. Now that shit test can manifest in a positive way or in a negative way, but women are the debuggers for the code, the creative code that men are generating. As a man is creating something, and I'm, I'm speaking of this in very broadly, so the family that he's creating, the home that he's creating, the career that he's creating, the business he's creating, as a man is going through this creative process, his woman's responsibility is to be there at his side and be basically Annoying. watching his blind spot, blind, <laughs> basically watching his blind spot. Her job is she has a, a separate perspective and she's the one who's going to bring her perspective to bear. It's up to him whether or not he's actually going to, going to take that on, but woe unto the man who doesn't take his wife's, uh, perspective into consideration. She's been given to you as a gift. Her job is to shit test you. Because when she, when she shit tests you, if you pass that shit test, she just made you a little bit stronger, a little bit wiser, a little bit more competent and capable as a man. She's testing your integrity. And I don't just mean integrity in the sense of like morals and ethics. I'm saying your integrity as a man. She's testing it to see how strong it is. And that's very relevant to her. Because if you're a man of weak integrity, that tells her she needs to watch her back. That she needs to be... You're not good at fighting lookout. barbarians. Right, right. You might let the barbarians in. You might end up like doing business with them and renting her out to be raped once a month or whatever. This is very relevant to a woman. Can I trust the man? Can I trust his decision-making? Can I trust that he's going to make the right decision even when I don't agree with what he's doing? Because I don't see what he sees, but I trust what he sees because I've tested his judgment enough and he's passed it each time. But she's not just going to give you an easy test. If she's going to truly test your integrity, she has to give you a hard test. So it's going to be, so this is a manufactured grievance a woman uses to test the metal competence and confidence of her mate. An intentional provocation accompanied by an implicit and subconscious desire that the man put his foot down set reasonable boundaries and demonstrate that he will not be bullied, nagged, shamed, or guilted into submission. Because if a wife can bully, nag, shame, or guilt her husband into submission, that means other people can too. And that's valuable information for her to have so that she knows what sort of situation she's in. Because again, she has this instinct for nesting, for protecting her home. She wants, she wants borders up around her life. She wants to ensure that she can continue her way of life. She's very comfortable to it, comfortable with it. She wants that. And it's a man's responsibility to build those walls effectively. 
which is interesting because men have a a like subconscious desire to 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 get over walls. Men want to break walls down. They want to climb over them, go around them. They have the that that kind of that restless explorer spirit is latent somewhere in in most men at least. Probably not anymore, but you know. Yeah, it's being it's being gradually it's been demoralized. Yeah. Yeah, because men are being feminized. They're being more and they're having that that restless, um, creative, explorative spirit, drugged or beaten or you know somehow nagged out of them. So let's see here. Let's get back to. I think there's, I'm going to touch on this more here. Um, uh, okay, we've got the uh, we've got a, uh, a reinforcement here from one of our female listeners in the chat. Come on here. There we go. Tatiana said, this is correct. She says, I'm a rare woman. I never played those games that I know of. I always dated in order to get married. I expected a man to be the protector, et cetera, but this is definitely correct. You played those games. <laughs> yeah, you, you played those games, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's not conscious. Right, yeah. It's not most... Like, once you start paying attention as a man, when you're relating to women, once you start paying attention, you start picking up on them very often. That's... Happens a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's a and what I'm saying is that this isn't this. It can it's a it's a uh, um. It's a it's a power that women have that can be abused, and it's very commonly abused in the current world because there's such a dysfunctional relationship between men and women. That's part of like the the fundamentalness of the masculine feminine dynamic is part of why this is such a big deal. Because once you can begin setting men and women against each other and start weaponizing their, I guess, their superpowers, uh, so to speak, to use against each other, then you will unravel the entire society. So women shit testing is actually a man. It's, it's, a, it's a feature. It's not a bug. But it can become a bug. You want to be able to trust your shit tester. Like if I'm, if I'm like writing a piece of software and and I need it to be really secure, like, I'm going to give it to someone and say, here, break this. See if you can break it. If you can break it, then I need to, I need to start over and, and rebuild. I'm going to keep giving you one until you can't break it. This is the responsibility. This is what a man needs from a woman. It actually it makes him better being able to deal with that. It's, it's, it's an opportunity for growth and for testing and for hardship, which is what, can, what helps him grow. So back to the, the tweet here. So... Um, woman is the debugger for man's creative code. She's a mirror for him to see what he is. Sometimes that mirror is black. <clears throat> Puas or pickup artists. These are like, like professional daters, basically. Uh, talk about, quote, holding frame. Frame is not some abstract object that exists externally to us. It's the agreed upon subjective perception of reality people choose to operate within. Science, history, technology, art, religion, philosophy, politics, as modern exercises of study and practice, are collective social enterprises set on attempting to objectively encode a set of subjective phenomena. Namely, what we're observing, what our observations mean, and how we ought to act upon and within these observations. This is frame. So I'll say that one more time. So frame is... 
um, evidenced in science, history, technology, art, religion, philosophy, politics. These are all modern exercises of study and practice. And what they are is collective social enterprises set on attempting to objectively encode a set of subjective phenomena, which is what we're observing around us, what those observations mean, and then how we should act upon them and within them. This is a this is a, a collective exercise that we're all engaged with each other, engaged in with each other. And when we disagree about our conclusions about either what we're seeing, what either what we're seeing or disagreeing about um, our interpretations of what we're seeing or disagreeing about what we should do about those interpretations. When there's a disagreement on any of these fronts, then we have war divorce, um, separation, going separate directions. Ultimately, for people to live together and to cohabitate peacefully and productively, everyone has to agree that they live in the same reality. We all have to agree that we're, we're operating according to the same basic laws. Like you, can't, you can't have a, a, a highway where you drive to and from each other if... It's not mutually agreed upon that suddenly swerving in front of someone else isn't an acceptable way to drive. Or that like driving on the, on, even more simply, if we can't all agree that we drive on the right side of the road in this given region, then we can't live together. If you have people trying to drive on the right side and the left side, it's not going to work. So you have to have this fundamental agreement. And that's what all these different exercises are is explorations of different aspects of reality, trying to draw conclusions, package them into definitions, and then using them to inform how we act with each other. This, so these, each of these different views of reality is a frame. And holding frame is holding the view of reality that you occupy. And insisting that those around you view reality the same way, that they subscribe to the same view of reality that you have. The Puas themselves use it, use holding frame a little more uh, uh, specifically, but I'm using that terminology to, to zoom out more and speak about it more broadly. So the pertinent question here is not can or should or will men hold frame? Men do hold frame. Women operate within the frame or frames held by men. The way that the, the Pua crowd has sort of misapplied this is they've said things like women don't have agency. And I don't think that it's true that women don't have agency per se. But I do believe that women operate within the constraints that are established for them by men. It starts off as her father. Her father establishes, whether she fights him on it or not, her father establishes the reality that she's going to live in. And that will persist up to the point where she begins accepting the frame given to her by another man. Whether that man is a boyfriend <coughs> or um, a teacher or professor or her boss at work. If her boss at work is a woman, this woman is deferring on her on her frame to a man above her. At some point, 
you're going to get back to a man who is the one who's establishing the frame and the women are deferring to it and operating within it. So men do hold frame. This isn't a question of like, oh, men and women are fighting over who's going to hold the frame. No, men always hold the frame. If you want to get like completely biological about it, in any interaction, it's very clear that virtually every man in a given situation could physically, um, I was going to say something that's probably too specific for, for YouTube, could, could physically end any woman. So just on a, on a most basic level, the latent potential threat of violence, I suppose, does um, establishes the man's credibility to be the one who's going to own the frame. Now, he can choose to be weak in that, and he can be led around. He can cede his responsibility and authority to a woman, but in doing that, he's the one who is ceding it to her. He's still the one who holds the frame. He's just ceding it to her. So the real question is, will men hold the true frame? And this necessarily demands wisdom, experience, humility, discipline, competence, and intestinal fortitude. All right, so put a pin in that. On the flip side, the give me waifu and sundress nationalism instincts are also wholesome natural instincts that have been distorted. If a man is to be held responsible for fulfilling the demands of traditional masculinity, that is, bearing the brunt of the risks inherent in exploring the wilderness, carving out a home and protecting it with his life, he needs a helpmeet. And I learned recently that that word helpmeet that's used when Eve is created in the Bible, it, it's actually most, it's like best translated a constructive adversary. When I learned that, that's when it, this whole idea of like women as like shit test being the natural mode of a woman, that's when it really was clear to me that the role of a woman is to be a debugger for what the man is creating, a constructive adversary. The quality of his decision-making will depend upon her. He exercises dominion over creation. She listens to that creation and reflects it back to him. I said, you ever wonder why Eve was listening to the serpent? It was her job. Her job was to listen to creation and to reflect back to Adam what creation was saying, so to speak. So Adam is exercising dominion. He is naming the animals. I think we've mentioned this before. Naming the animals is not just giving them names. It's creating the meaning. It's creating the categories, establishing identities. This is part of the masculine creative process to create borders in the world. Borders between people, animals, communities, neighborhoods, even borders between words, between, between ideas. This is the, the emergent order upon which the universe functions. <clears throat> the woman, then, is there to be the other half, to be the part that he's the one who imposes, she's the one who receives. You can think of these things in, in like kind of like metaphorical terms. You can also think of them in physical terms. He's the one who, who, who plants the creative seed. 
She's the one who receives it and nurtures it and brings it forth. The man builds the house, the woman makes it into a home. This dynamic requires both parts. So Eve is listening to the serpent because she's supposed to. She's supposed to listen to the animals, listen to creation. And be that you, you, you get this, it's a, a really common archetype of the king. And then his wife is like one of his confidants. His wife is the one who goes down into the city and she walks through the city and she meets the, the different uh, 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 shopkeepers and talks to the, the women all get together and they talk together. And then she has her ladies who come and tell her what's going on in the city. And she's the one who, who knows what's going on. And, and, and uh, you know, she knows someone who knows someone who knows someone. And she's got her husband's back. So she comes back up into the castle and then she tells him what's going on and keeps him abreast of everything that's happening. This is a very natural, masculine, feminine dynamic. So in order to have this, a man must be able to trust his woman. He must know she's submitted to his authority and not attempting to subvert him. She becomes the solid ground upon which he builds. She is his constant in a world of variables. This is why the two must become one flesh. They must be fully subsumed within one another, acting as a single unit, him leading her, her following him and facilitating the realization of the fulfillment of his will. As with the Holy Trinity, a marriage is where diversity and unity mysteriously meet, and it is through this image of divinity that mankind's creative capacity is fully realized. So if a man doesn't hold the true frame... And he won't pay attention when his wife is signaling that fact to him. A man has to have the wisdom to listen to his wife and know when to take her seriously. Know when to recognize that her perspective is limited and he can take it into consideration, but he's, he's the one responsible for making the ultimate decision. But he has to have the humility and the wisdom and the experience to know when she's right and he needs to listen to her because she is the one who he has ultimate trust in because she's fully submitted to him and his interests are her interests. So she has no reason to lie. If a man doesn't pay attention when his wife is signaling that he's not holding the true frame, so to speak, then he will be ultimately responsible when she goes astray. Eve's sin was consummated when Adam endorsed it through his silence. So unfaithfulness between men and women is actually, it, there, there's a difference. These don't, these don't work perfectly bilaterally. For a woman, unfaithfulness, to be unfaithful to her husband, is choosing to accept and operate within the frame of a different man. Whether that man be a neighbor, a coworker, a TV show, or the state. When her husband tells her, this is reality, this is how things are, this is how things are going to be, and she says, that's nice, I'm going to take the word of this guy over here. I'm going to take the word of my dad. I'm going to take the word of my brother-in-law. I'm going to take the word of the mayor. I'm going to take the word of Brian Stelter. I'm going to take the word of the experts at the CDC. 
all of these examples are examples of unfaithfulness between a woman and her husband. She doesn't have to go sleep with someone physically to be unfaithful. She's being unfaithful when she rejects his frame and subverts him by choosing to accept another man's frame. For a man, unfaithfulness is choosing to embody a frame other than the true frame. When he submits his will to something or someone other than the truth, who is a person, he's being unfaithful to his wife. In our feminist slash post-feminist world, there's much hue and cry about the notion of woman submitting to man. But man is called even higher. Man does not simply submit to woman. He lays down his life for her, choosing to fully deny his individual self and fully embody the will of his father. And anything less than that is unfaithfulness. So Bitch. the standard is... My <laughs> Bitch. bitch. I love you. <laughs> you ever listen to Tourette's guy? Tourette's guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck salt. <laughs> I don't give a dead moose's last shit. <laughs> uh, the standard is so much higher for a, a man than it is for a woman. <clears throat> the woman's only called to, to submit to her husband. The man is required to submit his entire self to Christ. And any deviation from embodying the true frame of reality is unfaithfulness to his wife because she receives his frame. When she submits to himself, she's submitting to his frame. So if he's not submitted to the true frame, then he's misleading her. If he's embodying a false reality, then she's going to be embodying that false reality by proxy. He's leading her astray. Now you've got the blind leading the blind. So a man's responsibility, this, this, is, the, this is why every natural human institution is structured as a hierarchy because the the man is this is actually one of the thoughts that we'd had before i, I we were trying to re remember what we talked about and this is one of the things i remembered is um that men are men are feminine with respect to christ so this is why the church is the bride of christ so the men, their posture with respect to Christ is feminine. Our job is to submit ourselves to him. And to be his body, to act as his body in the world. We have a feminine re relationship with respect to him. He gives, we receive. Women have that relationship to men. So Men then are, so as Christ is an icon of the Father, men are an icon of Christ. 
and the wife is an icon of her husband. So in our relationship, you would be like, you would be like the husband. I would be like the wife because here I am. I'm listening to your creation, that being the chat. And I'm going to reflect back to you what the chat is saying. And then you are going to listen to my counsel like a wise man. And institute order appropriately. That said, going on a side quest here, prompted by the chat. Tatiana says, this is literally so brilliant. So much truth. My dad, Brody, says, loving this Adam slash garden stuff. You know, this is not the first time we've heard this. We've had a lot of other people, when we talked about this in the past, we've had other people be like, this is, this is fucking brilliant. Wow, this is so crazy. I've never heard anything like this. And you got to understand that I talk to Matt like five hours a day, every day. We're very gay. Very, very gay. And, and I don't um, just mean happy, like extremely homosexual. I have a Nerf dart in my pocket. Oh, you um, must be a dad. I am. And I, when when did we first talk about all this stuff? Like a, a year ago? Like April? Yeah. April? We were talking about this every day for like three months. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like there's like this disconnect in my, my mind when I see people be like, wow, this is really interesting. Because to me, it's so mundane because we basically talked it to its end. And I'm actually <laughs> just really used to just this is how I look at the world now. Right. I just see everything through this lens. I'm like, it's so obvious to me. Right, right. Like Because we, I'm we so much smarter than all of you, by the way. <laughs> is what I'm saying. What I'm saying. Say yeah, what I'm saying is <laughs> I'm smarter than you. Punchy says if you're if you're gay, which one is the bitch? Definitely Cooper. You should hear him whine. <laughs> <laughs> when we did the whole uh the Gunic stuff, when we were talking about the um the this fundamentally feminine role that a lot of these guys are playing where they have lots and lots to say they're they're very critical they have lots of critiques but they don't really provide anything to replace the thing this is so much of right-wing twitter is just people just like vacuously critiquing just critiquing and critiquing and critiquing and critiquing and critiquing and critiquing and critiquing which is a very feminine role it's not that men can't critique. It's that this it's it's not just feminine. When men behave like women, they don't behave like women in a healthy way. They behave like women in an unhealthy way. So this just endless critique without substance is a very toxic feminine sort of behavior. Brody it's, says Peugeot goes deep on the garden. Yeah, actually what prompted this this discussion yes. between Matt and I back in April or whatever, when we first started talking about it was um, I had read Peugeot's brother's book. And that was kind of the first thing that got me kind of thinking in terms of like patterns and symbolism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just kind of went balls deep with that one. And took it in yeah. this direction. Um. Josh Ham says, uh, I will say one of the disconnects of modernity is that men and women want the same things in a relationship. Women want love. Men want respect. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's they just have they have different responsibilities. They're not equal. There is no equality to be had between them. Men. <coughs> men are responsible for being the principal of their family. They're they're responsible for acting as the sovereign of their family. 
the buck stops here with men. No matter what situation you're in, if it sucks and you don't like it, it's your fault. Because you're the one who holds the frame. If you got into bad, a bad situation, you can't blame your wife for it. Your wife was following you. Whether you were leading her down the right path or not, she's following you. She's operating based on the, the world that you're telling her exists. She's operating within those constraints. And if one of those constraints is you reveal yourself to be, you, you know, untrustworthy or mealy-mouthed or, or uh, I don't know, poor concentration or lack of motivation or whatever, and she is acting to make up for that, that's your fault as a man. You're the one who's responsible for the world that you've gotten yourself and your family into. And if you you're not married it. yet, if you're single... You're the one who, you, this is very important for you because you need to be sure that when you establish that relationship, you're fully ready for what that entails. For being the one who is responsible for everything, no matter how much you don't want to be responsible for it. It sounds all fine and great until a situation arises and you're pissed and you wish that things were different than they were, but you know that complaining about it and getting mad at your wife about it just makes you look like a bitch. Mm-hmm. So these, these goonics online, when they're blaming women for all the problems in the world, it's just impotent signaling. They're signaling how weak and pathetic they are, that they get dominated by women. <laughs> that's like, that's, that's the, the goonic, the goonic mindset. Um... Brody says, lying on a Kendrick song, I'd rather you trust me than you love me, girl. <clears throat> yeah. Like, and it's, and it's some of these words like love versus respect versus trust versus submission. Like there's a lot of crossover with all of them. My dad listens to really trash degenerate music. <laughs> yeah. Okay. K-Dot. <clears throat> um, I, I used to be a, a Kendrick Lamar consumer. I've still got, uh, I could still probably do it to myself if I needed to. Um, I do like 50 what cents. What can I say? <laughs> 50 cent. <laughs> uh, Kyle says, people look at me so funny when I say the buck stops with me, the divorce is on me. Ironically enough, I felt so much better about the situation when I came to this realization. Right. It's actually, a lot of young men will get mad about this. They're like, oh, but you're not talking about the, the court system and it's, it's rigged against men and, and divorces. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and, 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 and You sound like a bitch, man. Like, that's all I can yeah. say. Yeah. Like, do you have the fucking stones to step up and win anyway? Or are you just going to sit around and whine? Basically, just like, it's, it's like a, do you know where the, the death, where the term limp biscuit came from? Did I tell you about this, Cooper? Yes, I know where limp it came from. Is? Yeah, okay, yeah. Th that's what these guys are doing. These guys that are sitting here complaining about how like the court systems are rigged against men and I'm I'm not going to get married because she's just going to steal it from me and yeah. Sign a prenup. Like come on. That are that are standing around jerking off onto a cracker. It, they're just they're not These aren't people worth listening to. Why does every one of our streams end up like we're, we're always talking about masturbation. What's up with that? Well, it's a very real uh, phenomenon to most people nowadays. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. And it fits really well. Because, like, that's what, like, 
If you have a dude who's just being a bitch, he's not actually bearing his his responsibilities, then spiritually, he's he's a gooner. He's just a dude sitting in the corner, jerking it to pictures of people that he's never gonna meet and never gonna touch. That's the this is like the spiritual equivalent. And yet these guys will pass themselves off as being, you know, like the ones who have figured out that we live in a gynocracy. And and there's a longhouse man. Like the women, they control everything. It's <laughs> you're just impotent signaling. You're just advertising that you're weak and pathetic. If you're if you're a man, like fucking Alex Harmozy, then you don't give a shit what the political system is. You don't care who's in charge. Just tell me what the rules are and I'll go win. He's got big muscles too. That man's very nice to look at. <clears throat> um to, Kai, to to Lyle's point about He actually felt better about the situation when he came to this realization. Like, yeah, it's it's empowering. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, it, yeah, it sucks. You realize everything's your fault, but it's also like, oh, hey, I, I guess that means that I can fix it. Right, right. And you're the only one who can fix it and don't expect to be thanked. Right. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That's, that is, that's, I mean, that's the most empowering message you could give someone. Like, you're the one who controls how long you stay in the situation you're in. If you don't want to be in that situation, you're the one who can get yourself out. By placing it at the feet of the state or the longhouse or the Jews or whomever else, someone who's delivering you that message is telling you <coughs> that you're a victim and that you need to identify with that victim mentality. And just imagine, like, your life sucks and you're... You're going to say that, like, that's the fault of women? That's so gay. <laughs> it's pathetic. The last, uh... Letting women rule your life. That's, yeah, that's, that's the greatest... <laughs> you, you don't even know any of them. You don't even know them. <laughs> yeah. You've never met yeah. or talked to any of them. The, so the guys that say that, like, women rule the world or the, the, the gynocracy or whatever... I'm not saying people who, like, the longhouse is a very real thing. This is a real phenomenon you can talk about and you can understand. It's like a, like a social phenomenon worth <clears throat> discussing. But I'm talking about the guys who, who basically just, they take every <laughs> opportunity to complain about how, you know, the world is just set up to make, to make things easier for women and women get coddled and, and uh, you know, there's how they cite the statistics of how the, whatever it is, like 50% of women go after 10% of men and, and so we're just the guys who just get the get the leftovers and yada 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 all this shit is I don't even remember what I was going to say about it. It's dumb. It's just gay. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that they have the same relationship to these hypothetical women who are controlling them as the dude who's sitting there spanking it does to the chicks on the on the screen when he's beating his meat. They're women he's never going to see, but they're he's like the object abusing of his. himself. Yeah, he's abusing himself in their presence because they're like the object of his desire. And he's just identifying himself with his weakness and impotence. His tiny little shriveled up worm. <laughs> his micropene. <laughs> yeah. Xavier asks, hold on, let me go back up. What did he say? 
Any words on that transitory stage where the woman is in process of switching to the new frame? Yeah, don't talk about your feelings. Yes. M- moving on. Yeah, that 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 would be the easiest one. When when you talk about your feelings, what the what what women hear, or or the 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 takeaway that women have when you talk about your feelings is how your feelings make them feel. Mm-hmm. So if you want to deal with the conversation of how your feelings make the woman feel, women are not concerned with how you feel for your sake. No, no, and they shouldn't be, because your feelings don't need to matter to her. Your feelings should have no bearing on the quality of life that you can provide for her. Yeah, your feelings tell her whether or not you can keep the barbarians away. Right. And right. if they can't, well, it's your fault. You just made her feel bad about your feelings. So don't talk about <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> just stop. That's what, you have, that's what you have buddies for. You have buddies for you to go and you say, you know, my, my feelings are hurt, and they tell you to stop being gay and get your head out of your ass, and then, you know, you go on with your day. <laughs> yeah, like, because what you're doing, what you're doing, if you're asking, like, being concerned about somebody else's feelings for their sake, that's what you're supposed to do to the lady. Yes. That's not what the lady's supposed to do to you. And if you are asking her to do that for you, you're asking her to be the man. So don't do that. Don't be Either, a bitch. Yeah. Her responsibility is to care about the feelings of her children for her children's sake. The last thing you need to do is present yourself as another one of her children. Uh, Tyler James says a lot of guys vent to their wife when they really need a priest. Bingo. Absolutely. Um, Tatiana says, although I will blame women because I'm a woman, feminism is cancer after all. <clears throat> Yeah, it's mental. That's fault. all you, girl. Yeah. Um, Brody said, I remember hearing dudes say if women stopped hooking up with douchebag guys, then guys would stop being douchebags. Common beta sentiment. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like if women stopped hooking up with douchebags, guys, then guys would stop being douchebags. Maybe women don't want guys to not be douchebags. That's what these guys like. You got to be the right kind of douchebag. Like, that's all you're saying. It's just like, if you think of this in like sales terms, it's like, it's like working at Subaru and being like, being like, oh, everyone just wants to buy Toyotas. Nobody wants to buy Subarus. Have you tried working for Toyota? If that's your concern? Because you could just go work for Toyota and then you could get, but what it comes down to it is that they don't want to be douchebags in the sense that they consider the guy a douchebag. They don't want to be like that guy. They want the woman that likes them. Well, then stop going after the women that like douchebags. And maybe, yeah, you want the woman that likes you. Maybe you're not really worth liking. Maybe you kind of suck. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. That's probably it. It's probably you're not special. You're, you suck. You know, so stop doing that. <laughs> Punchy says, my own feelings are like children anyway that I have to watch. Imagine having all the guys' feelings, too many kids to check up on. Yeah, yeah right. for real. For real. Like, like, okay, you, as a man, are going to, like, offload all of your feelings onto your wife to, so she can carry that burden? Ugh. What's she supposed to do with it? Where, where's, where's, she supposed to, where's she supposed to put that? That made me feel sad. <laughs> yeah, all okay. you're doing, you dude, you're just cashing in on, the way, on all your chips. You know? Yeah, right. she, she's yeah. not... Every time you do that, 
you're taking a hit in the way she looks at you. So I would not do that very often. Instead, you call up your buddies, you commiserate with them for five minutes, and then you call each other gay and you get over it. Right. This is also why men need to have have strong relationships with other men. Yeah. They can't... Don't they... commiserate with your wife. Mm-hmm. You do that with your buddies. For and, and having those strong relationships with men goes a long ways to a lot of other things as well. It just... If you isolate men from being able to have strong, like strong yet vulnerable relationships with other men, I can't, I don't know why I keep freaking hiccuping. If you, if you isolate that, if you break that apart, break down the male bonds, then you're going to get men who, instead of doing that with their guy friends, they're going to start doing it with their wives. And this is another thing that causes this devolving cycle because then a, a woman just can't. What, there's all these stories out there of like, of of women. What's the thing they say? They say getting the ick. Like that thing gave me the ick. And there's stories of like women that like saw their their boyfriend get shot and like, like drag himself somewhere. Like like take care of. Like he did some crazy heroic thing, and she got totally turned off by seeing him like bleeding and hurt. She was just like, she's like, ugh, you know, like like oh, you got shot. Like, why didn't it just bounce off of you? <laughs> she just was like completely lost all attraction for him after. Or maybe it was like some guy got hit by a bus or something. Like, and then the guy he got really like fucked he, up. He started crying or something like that. And seeing him cry, he was like, ugh. Yeah. It wasn't even that. Like, the one story was a guy like got like genuinely hurt really bad. And it was some freakish thing. And his, and his girlfriend like left him while he was in the hospital because she got like grossed out by the sight of him being. Like having all of his bones broken or something. <laughs> it's just <laughs> bitch. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> uh second yeah, woman like, syndrome. It's just Yeah, second woman syndrome. That's what you sent yeah. me earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be that. Don't do that. Oh yeah, not... that's right. I... Thanks for reminding me about that. I was gonna pull that up. Because that's that's pertinent here. Um, let's see here. So, lesson, Xavier, if a woman is asking you how you feel about something, don't answer. Or give, like, a non-answer. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say a little while ago. Um... When, <laughs> when my wife and I first started talking to each other way back in the day, we met long distance, and and one of the first things she told me about her that I needed to to know and remember is when she's complaining to me about work, about something someone did, about um about whatever. She doesn't. She told me she doesn't want me to try to come up with a solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. She just wants me to say. I'm sorry, that sucks. And this was this was very, still sometimes is very difficult for me because for me, when I'm doing that, if she's saying, I'm talking to me about this problem with people at work or whatever, my mind is going with like solutions and, and everything. And for me to say, I'm sorry, that sucks. <laughs> like on the flip side, if I was telling her about something that was going on and that, that I was really frustrated with, and she was like, I'm sorry, that sucks. 
I would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how do it would? It's so hard for me to do it, but I've gotten better at it. I think I have. If she's watching, she can tell. She can say like just how 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 good I am or am not at it. But like the being able to just say I'm sorry, that sucks, is is I just. If you said that to me, I'd be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, what right. do you mean? You're supposed to help me solve this, right? Like be right. productive." But this is like this is just this is how women are wired, and if you're a man. It actually can make life easier on you because this doesn't need you to solve the problem. There you go, Xavier. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Get used to saying that. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. That sucks. Then then she feels like her feelings were validated because that's... And it cost you nothing. <clears throat> right. You didn't even have to try to come up with solutions. You can save yourself energy. Right. And then you just deploy the solutions when she asks for them. Um... Oh, so this other, the second woman syndrome thing. Um, So there's a scenario this guy posted on on Reddit. Uh, Wife had a fair. He says, hello, fellow dads. Long time lurker and love this community of awesome dads. I created a burner account to post for the first time. A few months ago, I discovered he's a 35-year-old male. She's a 35-year-old female. I discovered my wife of 12 years was having an affair. When I asked her about it, she initially denied having sex with him, but after several rounds of questioning, she eventually admitted to it. She asked to open the marriage so we could still talk and so she could still talk to and see him. We have three kids under 10, so I agreed and started going to therapy right away. Yuck. What a bitch. Yuck. Through therapy, I've realized how much I've done for my marriage and for my kids. I've supported my wife financially for our whole marriage. For the most part, I've been our sole income. She's had a hard time keeping a job, and I've supported her through multiple career changes. Financially, she's maxed out our credit cards a few times while going through these changes as well as just doing general shopping and I've always paid them off. I do 90% of the childcare, get ready for school, school drop-off, school pickup, take to and from extracurricular activities, homework, bedtime routines, etc., as well as household work, groceries, cooking, cleaning, laundry, yard work, etc. I'm not a perfect husband or father. Therapy has helped me realize different areas where I could have communicated better and set better boundaries, but I've tried my best to be a very present and an active dad and husband. So Ugh. a guy screenshotted this and tweeted it out. And he said, uh, you're probably killing your marriage. This man's tragedy is everywhere today. He paid the bills. He was present. He was active, but she cheated on him. Why? Second woman syndrome. Marriage counselors will never tell you this, but your wife won't respect you unless she knows she can't manipulate you. This man thought that doing 90% of the childcare and household chores would turn his wife on. Instead, it turned her off like a light switch. And he should never have supported her working outside the home either. If you treat your wife like a feminist, she'll start thinking and act like one, acting like one. Remember, it's a man's job to establish and defend boundaries. And to check you can do this, your wife will test yours. She needs to know you can tell her no. Because she wants to be married to a man, not a second woman. <clears throat> that was a, a banger. Um, do you have anything, any, any commentary on that? I think it kind of spoke for itself for me. No, uh, I think we triggered cable. <laughs> um, Lyle. <clears throat> yeah, Lyle. The last, the last uh, paragraph of my tweet here, um, probably lay the foundation for a future episode. Said when man lays down his life for woman, and woman submits her life to man, together they form the foundation of the fundamental unit of society, the family. 
and it is to the family that God has entrusted the dominion over all the earth. Uh, Oh, this is interesting. Tatiana says, happy wife, happy life is the worst idea ever. Interesting. Say more. I'm interested to know what, uh, what motivated that based on the context. Uh, who, what? Uh, Tatiana said, happy wife, happy, happy wife, happy life is the worst idea ever. Oh, I see. Let's see. Basically, I, I, the gist I get is something like you, you need her. She needs to be kind of, uh, she needs kept to be guessing or on edge or <laughs> just punch her. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Bitch. Come home from the bar and smack her in the head with a bottle. <laughs> Bitch. For wearing shoes. How dare you wear shoes? You're supposed to be barefoot. Uh, set, up Josh a, Ham. set up a cot in the kitchen so you never have to leave. Your life's a, your, your life. Your wife's a lucky lady. Oh, yeah. Got her a nice cot. Yeah. Yeah. You're a good man. Yeah. <laughs> You let her go outside occasionally too, right? Only in the backyard. Yeah. With the I guess she has to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You give her a little privacy out there. Uh, she said the wife cheats, the man opens the marriage and does everything to make her happy. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So he's. Yeah. Yeah. So. Trying to trying to follow the aphorism of happy wife, happy life, is I see what she's saying. So it means that. If you're if you're trying to apply that, then you're gonna be put yourself in the wrong spot because you're gonna be continuously conceding ground to her. Just if you just give her everything she wants, she's just gonna keep taking. Which honestly is like is a pretty good strategy. Like if you found someone and, they, and you were like, "Hey, I want this," and they're like, "Okay, here," and you're like, uh, "I want that," and they're like, "Okay, here," and you're like, "Okay, how about that?" And they're like, "Okay, here." then just keep doing it. Like, why would you stop? So if you don't want it devolving in that way, then you have to be able to put your foot down and say, no, the buck stops here. Hi, Buck. And when you... Yeah, and all you're doing is like, your time, energy, and attention, you're just decreasing the value of it. If it's free Mm -hmm. and cheap and easy, then it's not worth anything. And what do people do with when you give them free shit? They piss all over it. Right. You got to restrict the supply to increase demand. That's right. Perception management. Yes. As a good friend of ours said, dealing with women is 100% perception management. Uh, Xavier says, why does implementing these ideas seem so counterintuitive? Well, part of it is because uh, there's been a sustained propaganda campaign for generations to get men to act like women and women to act like men. The actual like transgenderism phenomenon is a very late development in the trajectory of the dissolving of traditional gender uh, roles and relationships in Western society. There's, it's been going for a really long time. And this is something we, as we kind of started thinking through these archetypes and applying them on the social level, we've, we've talked very much on the, uh, uh, like the more the individual, practical, interpersonal level today. 
But in the future, maybe we'll do some more episodes talking about this masculine feminine dynamic and how it applies on the social level at the, at the level of societies or, or societies relating with one another, political parties. Um, it's not as simple as the right is masculine. The left is feminine. It doesn't, it doesn't break down quite that simply. Uh, but the, the, the conservative and progressive impulses are mediated by masculine feminine um, dynamics. <clears throat> we should come up with a term for this. So that we don't just keep like, because right now we're just referring to it as like, oh, the masculine feminine thing stuff. Oh yeah, so, like come well, up with a guys, name. You guys should uh, su should some su suggest some names in the chat here that we'll completely ignore and not yeah. use at all. <clears throat> yeah, or if we do, we won't give you credit. That's true. Yeah, like our friend that I just referenced, I took his his little dealing with women is one hundred percent perception management. I just took that. And I'm not going to give him credit for it. He doesn't you shouldn't it. have even you shouldn't have even mentioned that it came from a friend. You should have just said it. Yeah, that's true. I should have. Yeah, I guess I guess there's a little bit of honesty in me. All right. Well, we just hit the uh, one hour thirty minute mark, so this is a pretty good uh, pretty good little stream. It seems that people enjoy the uh, the masculine feminine thing. So I don't know why. <laughs> we'll get into it more in the future. Uh, so what's today? Today is Monday. 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 All right. So we'll be. Uh, I think we'll probably be able to do a stream tomorrow. Yeah, um, probably. <laughs> Punchy says, "Good stream, thanks, bitch." <laughs> Say it, Cooper. Bitch. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, do us a favor: like, comment, subscribe, do those things. Follow us on Twitter at Real at Cooper Brooks, and we will catch you guys on the flip side. <laughs>